welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by and for millennial and Gen Xer types from a left-wing perspective. It is Saturday, March 7th, 2020. I am Travis. I'm Rachel. And uh, it, if we sound like sneezy and sniffling and congested, we do not have the coronavirus. I, I promise you that. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> uh, we have awful, horrible allergies. Which is such great timing with the coronavirus. Yeah, so like we're walking outside and people probably think we're contagious. We, we're not. We don't have fevers. We don't have sore throats. We definitely don't have any sort of viral illness right now. But it's just really crossed. great timing because all I want to do is rub my face constantly. Because yes. Because it's just yeah. melting. Yeah. And I... Uh, it's the start of spring here. Like yeah. it, it, Temperatures have just jumped into the mid to high 60s. And so all the snow that's been on the ground is melting and all the green things are growing and our allergies are just terrible. And yeah. it's going to take a minute or so to adjust to that. So that's the timing coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Literally the only time I want to touch my face throughout the year. I mean, I guess that's not really true, but like no, I intensely need to scratch my face and eyes is right now. And yeah. I'm not supposed to do that. So. Yeah. My eyes are just burning today like nobody's business mine are just like watering Mm -hmm. constantly and then itching like my whole face itches yeah but like don't touch your face but don't touch your face good luck good luck to us i would also like to note that um just trying to be like prepared for this i spent last week trying to uh buy like hand sanitizer i was already stocked up on soap but um it's been really shocking to me something like Amazon um, being non-stocked with things. Um, I, I was unable to buy hand sanitizer from literally anywhere across uh, the country. Um, I think for me, like Amazon, Walmart, and Target being like no stock mm-hmm. of things like that are like kind of terrifying. Um, yeah, there's none at our local grocery stores. No. Amazon's completely out. I was able to find some at a medical supply company and, yeah. and that's supposed to come is that it in that box no right there? that's my new shoes oh <laughs> so it should it might arrive today so we'll have that so maybe look there if you're in the same position as we are I've yeah heard from co-workers that like they went to costco and the entire frozen food section is empty um and yeah i haven't quite seen that but not here no yeah uh are our good friend Greg Dworkin said gave us the ingredients to make our own hand sanitizer, but like mm-hmm. there's been a run on those ingredients. So too. I cannot buy rubbing alcohol. Yeah. I found a bottle of rubbing alcohol for forty six dollars on Amazon. Jesus. Amazon also purged one point four million items from its stock for people price gouging, and mm-hmm. I can attest to that because when I was on there, I was looking for hand sanitizer, and there were. Two eight-ounce bottles that were selling for $144. Which is asinine. Um, so, I mean, to your point, weirdly, like, a lot of people are panicking, but apparently it seems to be coming down to, like, political ideology, which is crazy. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, before we get into all that, you want to do a movie review? Yeah. Because we haven't done one of those in a while. I'm going to basically let you do most of the talking about it. Because it was a movie for you and not for me. Yeah. So we went last night to see A Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is this beautiful French film um, that is about uh, this woman who lives in a rural area of France, coastal area of France, 
who's about to be married off um, to some man she's never met. But before he marries her, he would like a portrait of her. Uh, Which is what you did you know, in the old days because there's don't no have Facebook Tinder, and I guess. Tinder. And, swipe left, swipe yeah. right. So <laughs> yeah. before he marries her, he needs a portrait because this is a great start to a marriage. And uh, so she worked, or worked, <laughs> was going to be a nun. And her sister, uh, who was supposed to marry this man, threw herself off the cliffs outside of uh, their home. And so she got pulled out of the convent and married off to this man. But before he would marry her, he needed to see a portrait. And so she sort of refused to pose for this portrait for the previous um, portrait maker, who was a man. And so they bring in this woman to do the portrait, but they tell her, you're just her companion in her idea. Like her, in her mind, we've told her that you're her companion to go on walks with her so that you don't also throw yourself off a cliff rather than marry this man, which as a mom, which I'm not, but if I were one, I would think maybe not marry your daughter off after the first one threw herself off a cliff rather than marry this man. But yeah, but we're you, not you've, in these you've read the Jane Austen books, right? It's right. you don't have if you don't have a husband, you don't have anything, you don't have any money, you won't have any property, you won't have any. Well, standing. you still won't have any property, but yeah. yeah, no, I mean you're not really a human, right? Um, and we talk about that now, but like back then, holy shit, so. A sort of romance develops between the portrait maker and the uh, young woman, and this is a story that was directed by a woman and written by a woman and stars women, and some things come up about maybe this is the first movie I've ever seen that I can remember that's about the female gaze. That's the phrase that's been used about it. Mm-hmm. And what that sort of means, I think, for me was I didn't know what that meant until I watched it, and... It was something else. It was so amazing. There are basically no men in the film. Um, the ones that are in it have like their backs turned to the camera or they're kind of blurry. And then at one point this guy shows up and you're just like, this is very offensive. What is he doing here? Um, <laughs> at the breakfast table, just like, who is this man and why is he here? He's, he was just a courier. Yeah. Um, he was not important at all. No. It, it's just a, a film about women Um with women and about the relationships between women, some romantic and some not. And it is just, I don't know how to explain it other than to say like, I just, it was so beautiful. And the fact that it was also about queer women at a time when that is not a thing that you could be yeah, at all. And even if you were, it didn't matter because you still had to marry a man. Yeah. Can I chime in about yeah, something I found refreshing about the, the mm-hmm. film? Because it's not the first film I've seen about a young uh, gay lesbian couple. No. But typically in those movies, like one of them is bipolar or mm-hmm. suicidal. Driven or to insanity. Driven by... to insanity. Or, mm-hmm. or has a uh, substance problem. Or, you know, there, there, there has to be this other underlying right. drama besides just two people in a, in a difficult and like these characters, yeah, they're they're emotional and they have their own issues and quirks, but they're they're basically just people in love. Yeah. And like that was kind of like, oh, these are normal people, not tra- tragic figures where there's all this other chaos happening right. to build artificial suspense, right? No, right. Yeah. So they're just two people falling in love without much interference, really. Um, besides, like the crazy societal pressures of being a woman at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, 
I'm not going to spoil anything, but like, there's not like tragedy that occurs other than like, well, though, yeah, you know, what you'd expect, <laughs> right? Um, and there's some stuff in there around abortion that I really appreciate. Oh yeah. Um, and so spoilers, if you don't want to hear this, I'm not going to go into detail, but I think it's important. Uh, was for me at least that. There is a young woman at one point who finds herself to have not had her period for three months, and she tells one of her women friends about it, and they talk about it for a moment, and the woman friend says, do you want to have a child? And the woman says, no. And that is the extent of their conversation, and then they proceed to make sure that she does not have to have a child. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is no, who's the father? Are you sure? Do you want, like, there's no, there's nothing, which is so often, in my experience, how these conversations happen. When I was about 24, a good friend of mine came to me and she said the words, I think I need to have an abortion. And I said, okay. And then we figured out how to make that happen. She didn't come to me and say, I'm pregnant and I don't know what to do, or this person got... She just came to me and said, I think I need to have an abortion. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay. And then we figured out how to do that, and then we did that. And that's reality. Like, non-Hollywood dramatized people having abortions, that is actually how women generally handle the situation. If you come to me and say, I need to have an abortion, I'm going to be like, how can I help? Mm -hmm. There is no question of anything. It's just, okay. Let's do that then. Um, and in my situation, she just couldn't afford it. And we're lucky to live in Colorado, even at that time, um, that there were programs and things that um, she was able to have it subsidized and it still cost some money. But um, yeah, it was really refreshing to have that be a part of the film. Um, I highly recommend it. Please go see it. Um, I think, I don't know how you feel about having watched it, but I definitely, for women and femmes and and bees out there i really i just couldn't recommend it more highly and yeah and in that part in particular when um you know they never ask who's the father they just immediately go to how how can i help how you how can i help you yeah. what, what do we need to do to make this happen right, right? which is just true it's just as actually how women do it and not the way it's so often well it also highlights the fact that women have always had abortions and always will have abortions and we can make it safe and legal and and easy for them and or we can make it scary and dangerous and you know but but women will always and have always had abortions yeah if they don't want to have a child or they're not capable of raising a child then they won't right or they just don't want to, frankly. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we've made it such a legal and safe thing, I think, is really great. And I think we should pivot immediately to what's happening in the Supreme Court around that. Uh, yeah, please. So Let's do that. Supreme Court is hearing a case currently out of Louisiana. Um, and it is about hospital admittance. Yeah, it's an old trap thing that states have been doing for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And whether or not abortion providers should have hospital admittance privileges in order to be able to provide abortions. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really, really scary because we do not have the court that we had the last time one of these laws was tried in the court. Mm -hmm. Kennedy's gone. And we have Gorsuch and Kavanaugh now. And um, it's 
really scary. Yeah, and, and we, as we've said, this is the stuff they were put on the court to do. Correct. The reason that Trump has such overwhelming support among evangelicals is precisely because he picked people for the court who would overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah. So. And this is an indirect way of doing it. Yes. So one of the interesting things, I think, and a, a novel argument coming out of the court from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and I don't mean argument, she's not the person arguing, but the point that she was asking the attorneys was, so, and this hasn't happened before. This is a sort of new thing, and I think it's really smart. So I don't know if she's gotten a new staffer or, or what's going on, but it's really smart, which is some of the um, admissions requirements to get for abortion providers or doctors in general to have hospital admission privileges um, in Louisiana and probably elsewhere as well is how many people you've admitted to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And because abortion is one of the safest legal or medical procedures that exists, most abortion providers don't admit anyone to the hospital. Yeah. And so it's an outpatient procedure. Right. And so because it's so safe, because there are so few complications, most abortion providers do not meet the threshold for hospital admittance because they don't admit people to the hospital. Right. But it's by the logic of going to the optometrist's office, you, they would need to have hospital admitting privileges, right? right? If you were going to go get something done. And to Ginsburg's point, mi- even if procedure. they needed to go to the hospital, it would be after they went home. Right. So Louisiana is trying to say that any abortion facility or doctor's office performing abortions needs to have hospital admission privileges with a hospital within 30 miles of the abortion clinic, which is completely arbitrary and makes no sense. And to Ginsburg's point, um, (laughs) most of these women don't live near the clinic, and so they're going to get the abortion, and then they're immediately sent home. So if they got to a point where they needed to go to a hospital, they would go to a hospital near them and not near the clinic, they wouldn't need their abortion provider to provide admitting privileges to go to the hospital if they were in an emergency situation, mm-hmm. which almost never happens. They would go to a hospital near where they were recovering. Yeah. Um, secondarily, if you talk about medical abortions, right, where you take the pill, yeah, you take two pills at the abortion clinic, then you go home and you take an additional pill. I've observed two of these in my life, supporting friends who have gone through this, and you know you have to take the pill within 24 hours. Um, and then if you had some sort of emergent medical situation, you would then go to the hospital closest to where you were, which is, especially for women in a place like Louisiana, where there are so few abortion clinics anyway, um, probably not going to be anywhere near the clinic that you went to. So anyway, it's a completely bullshit law. Um, it has no legal standing. It has no medical, uh, purpose, which they already determined in the previous um, case in Texas, and which Ginsburg brought up multiple times. Um, Alito tried to bring in these procedural arguments around whether or not the clinics themselves could have standing, which means whether or not they have the right to bring this case on behalf of patients, Mm -hmm. um, when the patients themselves are the people that are being harmed. And Ginsburg basically struck that down by saying that they didn't bring this argument up until like the fifth round of appeals mm-hmm. is when they started bringing this argument in, this sort of legalese loophole thing. And so she just straight asked the uh, people that are 
trying to get this law struck down. Like, if you had known this was an argument that would have been brought up, what would you have done differently? If it had been brought in a, quote, timely fashion. Mm -hmm. And the woman said, well, we would have had patience, right? On the, um, you know, as people that were objecting. Mm -hmm. But because it wasn't brought in a timely fashion, they didn't think it was necessary. So it's something to keep your eye on. Um, I am very worried. And yeah, well, let, let's talk about, in effect, if the court ruled that states could do this, then mm-hmm. effectively every state that has a Republican state legislature and a Republican governor will effectively, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to overturn Roe v. Wade, but they'll effectively have outlawed abortion because all those clinics will shut down. So in Louisiana specifically, um, there's only one doctor mm-hmm. that would meet the requirements of this law. Yeah. So Louisiana as a state would have one abortion provider so, in the yeah. entire state. Yeah, that's effectively That's effectively abortion. outlawing abortion in yeah. the state of Louisiana. Yes. And that's the idea. Yep. That's the whole point. So And I don't I don't see that I don't see a clear path for us winning this one. Would the Supreme Court be crazy enough to do that in an election year? We've we've debated this yep. and we don't know the answer to that and it really is going to hinge on Roberts. Yep. Once again, he sided with the liberal um, justices last time around, but that was also with Kennedy and without Kavanaugh. And um, this is the first sort of test for this new court about these laws. And, you know, I, I think if we're doing political analysis, right, like thinking about it from a political perspective, it's not a primary for the Republicans in a realistic way. Like there's like Bill Weld or whatever, but it does help drive turnout amongst their base. If they overturn fucking Roe, right? Like I think it drives turnout way more in the other direction. I do too, but I don't know that they know that. Uh, they do. I don't, I just don't know if they care. I don't think they care. I think ultimately this is like this the is the reason chance, that right? they, yes, this is the reason that they're on the court. This is the reason that Donald Trump has support. This is the reason that Mitch McConnell doesn't give a shit about anything else because all they care about is shit like this. Yeah. This is the whole end game. And, and, you so, know, as young as, as Gorsuch and Kavanaugh are, yeah. unless someone's going to pack the court, which I think Democrats would be very reluctant to do, whoever's president. Because they're fucking pussies. Um, well, I mean... For Frankly. What, yeah, well, right. The Republicans would do it in a second, right? Yes. If we had yes. a bunch of young liberal Supreme Court justices and yes. a new Republican president would pack the shit, we'd have 15 justices if yes. they had you know control of Congress yes. and were able to do that. Yes. No question. Yep. But, you we know, just won't do we're it. still talking about norms and blah, yep. blah, whatever. Yep. Uh, so they might get blowback from it, but so what? You know, and then they could strike down any other laws that might countermand that. Um, so they have a lot of power right now, and they're going to have power for ge- several generations. This is this is the cost of the of the Trump presidency Trump in twenty sixteen. Yep. Yep. This is one of the many, yep. one of the many many types of fallout we're enduring. Yep. And, and you know, we've always had to remind people about that. Like, no, it just wasn't that Trump. You know, it was so much more. It was it, so well, much more. And this is exactly what it is. It's in medicine what we call sequelae. Sequa- the sequelae of the Trump reign. What does that it, mean? Um, it means like once you get sick, like oh, there's all these other bad things happen to you. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Um, the, the Supreme Court is just another example of that. 
I'm probably pronouncing it wrong. I haven't had to say that word in many years. I haven't done a clinical case presentation in about eight years now. (laughs) Well, one of my favorite quotes ever is someone that says, um, Greg would never make fun of someone for mispronouncing a word. It means they learned it by reading. (laughs) Yeah, yes. You know? Certainly did read it plenty of times. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, uh, so there's that. You want to, or should we just start talking about the state of the democratic race? Because a lot happened this week. Yes. So this time last week, we were watching uh, Joe Biden win South Carolina. But just that morning, uh, what we were saying was, boy, Bernie's in really great shape. Well, what a difference a week makes, huh? Yeah. So, uh, and so, we, we still had some hope, uh, slimming as it was, that you know Elizabeth Warren could still make a run and do something. And basically, this is what has happened. Um, so we had Saturday morning... Uh, Saturday, Joe Biden will win South Carolina very, very big, much bigger than the polls had indicated. And then everybody just Yeah, we didn't know this till after the podcast, so we didn't know how bad we saw it unfolding, but um, so then Super Tuesday comes around, and I have some interesting stories from Super Tuesday. Um, And everybody just sort of got on board with Joe Biden, and we're going to talk quite a bit about why we think that is. And how the pundits are getting it wrong. I want to talk about Elizabeth Warren first. Wrong. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. I will turn it over to you. Like, I had an ugly cry on Saturday night when the results were final and she came in, like, fifth in South Carolina. Um, It was very obvious to me that that was it. She was done. Yeah. And I was right. Um you just, there's no coming back from that. Um, I had a real hope that um, amongst her support, among a lot of black women, that maybe possibly she would have come in second, right? And coming in fifth was, uh, that was the death knell for me. And I knew it. And I really had a hard time, still having a hard time um, with that. And then you were kind enough. <laughs> to just sort of sit with me and let me feel my feelings because it's really hard, right? It's really hard to... Yeah, in a way I can't totally relate. Yeah, it's really hard to be like, she's the very best candidate and she's the very best person to be the president and there's just... We're just not going to do it. We're just not going to do that. And someone posted on Twitter something about like, him giving a very reasonable argument why if Elizabeth Warren was a man, she also still wouldn't have won because of the election cycle that we're in. And then this woman says, me, if Elizabeth mm. Warren were a man, she would have been a president for two terms already. Yeah, yeah, right. And that's right. Or at least she'd be the heavy, heavy front runner right now. She'd already been the president twice, right? She'd already have served two terms. Like, that's how good she is. And we can argue about what and why and how and what, but I think there is something to be said about the fact that she's a woman. I really, I really do. And I'm really tired of white people telling their daughters that they can be president when they won't vote for a fucking woman. Right. Just stop telling your kids that. It's not true. Maybe. I was told that when I was little. I was told that you can be anything. You could be the president. 
But my parents and their friends certainly aren't fucking going to vote for me or anybody that's like me. Right? To that, and they won't even vote for Carly Fiorina. Right. Doesn't even matter what brand of woman you are. Just woman. And we can't imagine a woman president until we have a woman president. That's right. That's right. And it was really hard. It was really hard. Especially because she just lost so much. And she was is just is so much better than any other person who ran. And so what we end up with is two old white guys against an old white guy. And like that shit hurts. Like we we started out with such a diverse and charismatic and wonderful field of people. And because of the way the primaries are run by the Democratic Party, because of the way that our system works, most of them were shut out. And we've been led this line of thinking that these people are not electable because no one will vote for them, and so no one votes for them. And they run out of money, so they don't even get a chance to get voted for. And we end up with what will likely be the status quo, which will be that Joe Biden will be the nominee. So I think, in part, Elizabeth Warren also lost because I was reading this article about how competent she was and how confident and how we just aren't used to seeing a woman do that mm-hmm. in the public space in the same way that she sort of did it, which is she knew more than everybody and she was better than they were and she knew it and she wasn't, you know. She didn't tiptoe into it. No. She didn't apologize for no. it. No. She took she didn't down. Say, well, a- hey guys, if you just listen to me, I have some ideas. Right. She just said. She's very forceful. Yeah. I have a plan and it's a good plan. Yeah. And what the fuck are you doing here? I mean, she took down a billionaire, which I love. And which was I mean, necessary. single-handedly, Elizabeth Warren ended Mike Bloomberg's campaign. She did that. She went in there and exposed him for all of his bullshit with no holding back. And, you know, that's been her life's mission, I think, is to take down billionaires. So at least she got to do that. Um but it was really hard, and it still is really hard for me. I was watching her video to her like, supporters and staff and stuff, and it made me cry. Because um, she's the best. I mean, she just really is all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. <sighs> okay. Like, fucking point hard yet again. It's just, I feel like sort of like in 2016 where I was like, I guess y'all just really do hate us more than I thought you did. <laughs> Um, it's a hard lesson every time, but one that I shouldn't be surprised by. Yeah, but yes, no buts. Yes. Now let's switch gears to why the coalescing around Joe Biden and from the perspective of people of color. Yes. Because that's important and that's being overlooked and the pundits are getting it wrong. Yep. Um, The pundits are saying things like, Oh, the black communities really rallied around Joe Biden and they really love him in spite of, mm-hmm. you know, the crime bill. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, no, you're mm-hmm. you're getting it mm-hmm. ass backwards. Yep. Black voters, particularly older black voters, are voting for Joe Biden because they do not believe in the goodwill of white people. Yeah. And rightly so. Yeah. They do not believe that white people will vote the right way. And so the calculation that they have to do is, who can I get 
white people to vote for over Trump because I couldn't get them to vote for Hillary over Trump, white men or women. The majority of white men and women, particularly white men, but white women also, uh-huh. voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. So their calculation is very pragmatic. Who can I get white people to vote for so that we don't have Donald Trump as president? Exactly. And their calculation is white people will vote for their money over their morality every time. So yeah. I'm not going to vote for Bernie Sanders and I'm not going to vote for Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. I'm going to vote for Joe Biden because he protects white people's money more and they're more likely to vote for somebody who's not trying to like tax billionaires even though none of them are billionaires because they're fucking stupid. That's so we're going to vote for the guy that I think white people will vote for so I don't have to deal with Trump. And it's a very it's a calculation. Yeah, totally. Now that's that's part of it, it's not all of it. Um they also know Joe Biden. And they're okay with Joe Biden. Doesn't mean they love with Joe, Bi- Joe Biden. Some of them love him. Some of them really like him. But they know him. That really matters in communities of color where, you know, we don't think about it the same. We, we get together in our coffee shops and our Facebook groups and, and, and our friends and our dinner parties. In the black community, it's, it's, especially in the South, it's really centered around the church, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a real community. And and Joe Biden has stepped in and been among that community for political reasons for lots of times. But they know him. Right. And even if they don't necessarily trust him 100%, like it's that old devil you know. Right. He's scenario. a known quantity. He's a known quantity. And in and, some cases... You know, people can talk all they want about how Bernie Sanders marched with Martin Luther King Jr. in 1964 or whatever. But... Uh, Everybody yeah, but that I've he, talked to has been like, and then what since then? And then, yeah, exactly. And, and, and until he started since running then, for president, he what? was holed up in Vermont right. doing his thing. The whitest state maybe in the nation. Which is fine, but if you're going to run for president, now, you, you got to run for not just Vermont. Right. you got to run for people everywhere. And the thing that irritates me about Bernie Sanders is he doesn't seem to want to address that. And when he's asked about it, he gets very defensive yes. and very... Like flippant about it. Yes. And like, this is not the important thing. The important thing is class. And it's like, and they, when they pin him down, (sighs) well, that, and when they pin him down and say, you know, you're not getting support of the black voters, he's like, well, I should be. Right. Why am I not? And like, sort of this, like, yeah. And like finger wagging at the black community. And you're like, that's not how you do this. Yo, stop, stop it, stop it, stop it. And, and his supporters are even worse. Oh my God. Have complete blinders on about that. Right. And you know, they're either in denial about it or they just don't want to hear it. Yep. And they, it doesn't matter to them. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the cult of personality of Bernie and the underdog status of fighting the establishment and, you know, universal health care and class issues, which is an incredibly privileged thing to do. If you are a white man, which is, most of the people that are the worst in his campaign or not among his supporters, I should say. Um, of course you're worried about class, right? That's because that's the only part of your life that is sort of non-privileged. Mm-hmm. And so you think it's the only thing that matters. And while it's true that if we could fix class inequality, it would help everyone. It doesn't solve the problems of structural racism and sexism and homophobia and no, the other marginalized not. identities that intersect with class. It would help a lot, but it wouldn't help people equally if we don't also address those other structures of inequality. And that's the thing that I just don't think they understand. And they don't care. 
let me explain one thing that we are not going to do this time around. Um, Because Biden is going to be the nominee. Yeah. And I hope to hell he um, lets on that he's going to pick a dynamic uh, VP choice of color and that he's going to have a really great cabinet. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That will ease the blow of Biden. Yes. (laughs) To an extent. Uh, and we know a segment of the Bernie people are going to try to rat fuck us into more Trump. Yeah. And we're done fighting with them. I'm not going to even argue with them for one second. We, we, I'm not engaging. I'm not talking. We did it all of 2016. Yep. We did it all the last four years. First of all, they're unmoved. Uh, they're they, unchanged. It doesn't work. Four years of Trump and they're still beating the same fucking drum. Yeah, because it hasn't affected them personally probably right. much. Right. Uh, the kids in the cages weren't their kids. Right. Um, you know, they're and, uh, not in states where the abortion stuff is probably affecting them personally. Or they're men and they don't think they've ever had an abortion, which is probably their Their 401k is doing okay. Yeah, I'm doing okay here. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the, the belief that, you know, four years of Trump will be so bad, the revolution will change everything. Like, that should be dead, but it's not. Because yeah. it's all they have left to, to like, work with. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, we're not going to fight with them. I... I don't think there will be enough of them to rat fuck at this time, but maybe there will be, and there's there's nothing we can do to prevent that. No. You but know? what I won't do is engage them. No. I'm not doing that anymore. And no, we're to done. be to be totally honest with you, I would prefer Bernie Sanders as president to Joe Biden oh, as yeah. president. Absolutely. I would prefer that one hundred percent with every will of my being, I would prefer that. Well it's <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna mention, you know, it was a few months ago we were on this podcast and we said, we, we talked about the whole field as it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And we said, we, we made our list and we, and at the very bottom of our list, except for like Tulsi Bloomberg wasn't in the race yet. Right. We said the very bottom of our list is Bernie and Biden. Please yep. don't let it come down to Bernie and Biden. Yep. And it has come down to Bernie and Biden. And you know, I think what Elizabeth Warren said in her speech about suspending her campaign was so Right. And so hard to hear, which was she said, you know, when I started this thing, I was told there's two factions of the Democratic Party. There's the establishment Mm -hmm. and Joe Biden is the incumbent Mm -hmm. and there's the progressive wing and Bernie Sanders is the incumbent and there's no room for anything else in the middle. Right. And she said, I I thought that wasn't true. And I was wrong. And like that is the most like honest statement that I've heard anybody say, like, well, we ran a good campaign and I'm proud of it. Like all of that. But she was just like, frankly, I thought that was wrong. I thought that there was room enough in the party for something different besides these two old men, and there just isn't. I was wrong. Yeah. That does, that's not true. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't run a bad campaign. She didn't do anything wrong. She just thought more of us. Yeah. And she was wrong, and so was I. Well, I thought more of us, too. Well, yeah. It's it's sad and and it doesn't look like she's gonna endorse anybody. Which it, she I think she will eventually. I don't know and I don't care and I'm no, so and tired of people telling her what to fucking do. No, yeah, like that's all I hear online is just like, well, you have to do this and you have to. It's like go fuck yourself. She does not have to do anything. She can go do whatever she wants to do. She can go Hillary Clinton style, not wear makeup and hike in the woods for fucking six months if she wants to. Like this woman is not beholden to anyone and doesn't have to do anything she didn't run a campaign for men she didn't run a campaign for these men 
or to eventually this isn't about them she ran the campaign she lost she bowed out very gracefully and whatever she does now I'm in full support of yeah I think if she does endorse somebody it'll be Bernie um even though fuck they were just so awful to her um she's not an asshole if she endorses Biden it'll be just pragmatically because she thinks he's got a better chance of beating Trump than Bernie which I sort of agree with um but again you know I don't I'm not I'm not happy about this I don't care for it I don't know who can beat him I don't know if either of them can beat him I think Biden will be the candidate and I think the only thing we can do at that point is just think about you know Biden is a He's a company man, you know, he's a party guy. And if he is sundowning, which it appears that he does often. Yes. And if he is in the sort of mental capacity that we imagine he might be in, I think the best thing we can hope for is a sort of like, just let the people around him run the country. And he's not a Trump in that way. He doesn't have this big ego where he needs to be right and he's going to, you know, do crazy shit. He's just a guy who wants to be liked and take photo ops. I mean, he's going to basically be the queen of England if he wins Mm -hmm. and the people around him and in his cabinet and in his staff will really be people making the policy. And that's not what we want ideally right out of a president. But I think, um, the party and the people inside of it will put their very best and brightest around him and try to do their very best to bring this country back from the brink of whatever the fuck we're doing right now. And that's the only solace I can give you. I mm-hmm. I, I don't have great news, right? He's not going to be Barack Obama, not that he was the greatest or whatever, but you know what I mean? He's not He's not that. He's going to be an old man who doesn't understand things sometimes, but will sign whatever you put in front of him as long as he likes you and he knows well, you and you tell him it's the right thing to do. A lot of cringe-inducing things. Yeah. I just don't know that that matters anymore. No, I like, don't know. Like, Trump has set the bar so low, like... Does it, does it really matter if Joe says weird things that don't make sense? Like, right? You can't wait for those debates. Good lord! If there are, I don't debates. think there will be any. Yeah. Like, yeah, neither of them want to, right? No, I don't think either of their staff want them to either. Yeah, I think they'll just they'll, like a bunch of like just, just call demented each other and be old like, men yelling at like, nothing and a, forgetting who they are and where they and, are. Let's go ahead and blame each other and just not have debates. And just yell yeah, and blah, I can't imagine the two of them debating. It would be disastrously embarrassing for everybody. So I don't think there will be debates if that. I don't think there will be debates no matter what. Um, Another wonderful precedent set in yep. our new age of whatever the hell it yep. is we have going on here. Yep. Yep. And, you know, as far as like the VP pick for either of them, I think they both have to pick a woman. I think it'll be a different woman depending on which candidate we're looking at. I think Bernie needs to pick. um, Well, Trump is going to dump Pence and pick Haley. That's kind of like a given, no? I don't know. Is that true? I I think so, yeah. Well, I can't imagine Mother allowing Mike Pence to debate any woman that either of them would pick. <laughs> well, yeah, you can't even be alone with them, right? Right. I mean, he wouldn't be alone. Technically, there'd be lots of people around, but um, They'd be I can't imagine together, Mother being like, yes, this is okay for a woman to yell at you on stage. Um, I think that would be <laughs> only, very upsetting. Only I can do that. Yes. That's that's right. Um, I don't, people keep asking me who I think, and I'm like, I have no idea. I think both of them have to pick a woman, but I don't know who that woman is, who wants the job. Um, well, I, I I came up with a short list the other day for Biden. It was uh, Warren, uh, Stacey Abrams, Kamala Harris, yeah, and uh, or if not a woman, uh, Julian Castro. 
right. a great pick. If it's Klobuchar, I just throw my hands up. That's another Tim Kaine pick. Like, yep. what is the point? Right. But I, I think it might be the right. kind of thing where I think it would be my my best reading of the tea leaves would be he picks Kamala Harris. She takes a lot of boxes. She's, she's she can she can attack Trump. She can attack. She's a good attack she dog, attack which is what dog. you want for your vice which president. Which Tim Kaine was Tim Kaine wasn't at all. No, he perf- outperformed my expectations in the debates, but vice presidential debates don't matter. No, um, no. On the vice- campaign trail and like attacking and stuff like that is is more important. The yeah. vice presidential debates, I don't think I've ever moved the needle for anyone ever. It's just sort of no, spectacle. no, they didn't. I mean. Um, Oh, what's his name? The guy who completely pants to Dan Quayle and it didn't matter at all. Oh, I don't. I was like Lloyd Benson. Six. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I remember about that campaign. There was something about broccoli that was very like George H.W. didn't like broccoli and it made Oregon very angry. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't remember the broccoli gate. Yeah. But I remember them he asking him that, how much a gallon of milk costs and he had no yeah, clue. And he's yes. like, uh, And everyone was like, what planet do you live on? Um, No, and then he said he didn't like broccoli. Or one of his staff members said he didn't like broccoli. And like Oregon farmers were just like, fuck him. And like he lost Oregon on account of it. Talking about baking cookies. Right. Well, she had to do that to apologize for to housewives everywhere for saying that (laughs) it was. I'm not one of those cookie baking wives. Yeah. Can't say that. What about the cookie baking wives? Okay, I'll bake cookies. It's just a sh- fucking really shit good. show for women. Yeah. There's just no right way to be a woman. No, no, we world. talked about that. And, and Warren said that. Remember she said that No, exactly? she said somebody asked her if they thought that sexism, if she thought that sexism was a contributing factor in the campaign. And she said, Madeline I'll have more her. to say on that later. And ultimately... She's right when she said, you know, there's it's a trap. There's yeah. no there's no right answer to that question. If I say yes, then I'm being whiny and mm-hmm. I'm a sore loser and I'm not taking responsibility and accountability for mm-hmm. my campaign and my loss. Mm-hmm. And if I say no, women everywhere go, what fucking planet are you living on? <laughs> yeah. So there's no right answer to there's that no question. There's no good answer. Yeah. Other than the fucking truth, which is, of course. Yeah. And anybody who thinks that sexism did not play a part in Elizabeth Warren not being the president, uh at you, Greg, uh, is foolish and, and really needs to like reevaluate biases because there's no reason she wouldn't already have been the president given her. It's still really frustrating to me because I am betting if you sat down most people who voted for Joe Biden mm-hmm. and said, who do you actually think would make a better president? Yeah. The majority would probably say Elizabeth Warren. Yes. And, but, but, and they would say, but she can't win. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it pains me that they might be right. I don't know. Look at 2016. I mean, except she did win, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she got more votes, but like, I mean, I get it, right? 2016 was very painful and shocking for a lot of people, and we're just trying, I think that's part of this but that like I tried Rick to soothe it was, myself it was, with. It was a confluence of things between James Comey and Jill Stein and Bernie or Busters and. I know, but I think for a lot of people that. The bottom line is an incredibly talented woman couldn't beat the worst candidate ever. Yes. Right. And so everybody is kind of doing this calculation of like more so than in normal years, Mm -hmm. like more so than in like Mitt Romney versus Obama. Right. Right. More so than like any other really campaign in history, maybe. How do we get this maniac out of the White House? I don't even care. Like Samantha Bee's credit, Mm -hmm. greasy paper bag. I don't really care as long as it's not Trump. And so it's more of a calculation of 
how do we win than it is who do I like? And that's sad. And that goes back to the the great timing and momentum for Biden. That big yeah. win in South Carolina yeah. kind of woke everybody up. Because remember, he was a favorite. He was leading forever, forever, forever. Then they kind of heard him talk and everyone was like, eh. mm. and then he won. And then everyone's like, okay, yeah, okay, fine, Biden. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah. you could sort of feel it. You yeah. could sense Nobody it. loves Joe Biden. He doesn't really even have a set of policies. He, he is a very status no. quo guy. Yeah. Nobody loves anything about him other than, okay, people will vote for him. Great. I'm he's done. A, he's Great. Fine. Bad, I don't care. It's fine. Yeah. He's a, a back, back slapper. Old school has, has legitimately tragic family stories to sell. And he... You know, and not to down denigrate that because he he does really well on the stump with people who have he's a very warm, like caring kind of guy one on one. And that that helps for sure. But in terms of like a politician and being like a progressive champion, like, no, not really. No. And he's been shitting all over millennials lately and being like, eh, they're just fucking babies and they don't know how to work <laughs> yeah, hard. And you're just really, like, oh, my God, dude, really need to get a shit together. On that. Yeah. Um, really, please stop, though really do um because we need us to vote for you eventually even though we don't want to can you make it easier for us to swallow the pill please instead of harder um but i mean it's not a bad strategic play if he makes a bunch of people that are mad that okay boomer was trending feel like he hates millennials too those people are much more likely to vote than millennials Mm -hmm. so maybe it's a good strategic plan i don't know but well no we learned that right now now the millennials, the younger voters have been coming out okay, but not in these massive numbers that Bernie promised. Yeah. And, you know, we've said that over and over. Like, they're coming out, just a lot of older people are coming out. And again, that goes to, like, people want to get rid of Trump. Yeah. And they have decided Joe Biden is their best vehicle for that. Right. It's and this really is, that that's simple. really what it is. It's really At the end simple. of the day. It's yeah. not really, I don't think that people hate women, although I do think that's true. I think mostly it's just, like, any other year, any other opponent, maybe we had a better shot. But with this fucking maniac, it's just who can fucking win. Yeah. And I don't know if their calculations are right that it's Biden, but if that's the case, I'll vote for fucking Biden. Maybe. I, mean, I don't know. I, again, we don't we don't know. We don't necessarily know that Bernie would have been terrible and not been able to beat Trump. And I don't we don't know anything. And anybody that tells you they do is lying. Yeah. That's just what we've decided. Yeah. And I think it's if if. Biden can try to keep his mouth shut as much as possible if they can hide him as That's much as possible. That's pretty much what they've been doing is just hiding him. He doesn't yeah. do a lot of Q&As. He doesn't do town halls. He doesn't do rallies. No, he, he doesn't did a, go he, on TV. He did a push for Super Tuesday, obviously. But like that's it's pretty rare for him. They don't want him out talking much. And I don't blame them. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Like if, if we have to have, uh, you know, ghost writers as the president <laughs> and a figurehead... As long as it's not Trump and we've got some good people in the room. Well, that was essentially the last two years of Reagan's term when when there's there's pretty good evidence that Alzheimer's had really set in. Wasn't it, was it Wilson or who was it whose wife? his wife, it was Woodrow Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Woodrow Wilson, literally his wife just ran the country for like at least six months. Yeah, he had a stroke, yeah. She just would like prop him up in bed and be like, he's in here, he's fine, what do you need me to sign? Yeah. And just like ran the country for six months. So we actually did have a woman president, by the way. Um, right. Well, that's my hope that Biden picks a, a Warren or somebody competent as the VP and let them run the show like yeah. Cheney and Bush. Right. Let him go out and shake hands and try not to touch women too much. <laughs> <laughs> and then let Look, somebody else. Look, we don't else... personally hate Joe. No. It's sort of like Bernie says, like, yeah, personally, he's fine. Just his policies are garbage. And yeah, it's just I just I mean, I'm 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 done. Just. <sighs> Vote for the guy, whichever one. 
Just well, not the current occupant of the White House. It's going to be Biden. Right? I think it barring, is. Yeah. barring something crazy and calamitous. And even then, uh, that makes it, me worry. In the next like, couple I almost, days. I kind of hope it's Biden just because I do think he's a better shot of winning. I don't even know. If, if Biden went up in front of a camera and started like speaking in tongues and like yeah. saying horrible things, like I don't I don't even know if it would matter. At this I know. Point. Like, but I think the campaign is smart to just keep him the fuck yeah. home. Just don't let him talk right. and we'll be okay. Sort of like Gravel's campaign, right? <laughs> like those seventeen-year-olds were smarter than all the people running Bernie's campaign. <laughs> Just run a guy who's not really running, but like on really good policy positions. Who cares? Yeah, he doesn't actually need to be the president. He just needs to have a like set of Gravel ideas. Speaks from the grave. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. We'll in the second half, we're going to talk a little bit about coronavirus and how it's now like become a partisan issue because everything is and, and a racist it's issue. It's just so stupid. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about that and you know hopefully how our parents aren't going to get sick and die despite us. Yeah. Uh, be right back. discussion to coronavirus mm-hmm. and what's going on with that um you know one thing we we didn't talk about was what we did after the movie and i think that will lead us into a whole interesting discussion yes um so i'll i'll set the table as it were and, and you can sort of take it from there so after the movie we went to one of our famous our favorite restaurants in town it is also famous <laughs> it's a, a chinese hot pot restaurant the bronze and, empire yeah it's usually packed no matter when you go and like it's delicious. It's so fun too. It's interactive and you get to like pick each bite. It's wonderful. Yeah, if it's you haven't wonderful. done hot pot, it's sort of like Ugh. Chinese tofu, not tofu, uh, fondue. It's the best though. It's even better than that. It's just wonderful. Yeah. You're on the little sauce station and you pick out. It's just wonderful. If you've never done it before, you have a big, like most people probably have, but a boiling pot of broth and you put your raw meats and veggies and things in it and it's just wonderful and delicious and it's my favorite thing it is rachel's absolute favorite thing yeah not cheap so we don't do it all the time because we're not rich mm-hmm. but um once in a while we like to do it especially because it's nearby this um fancy snarfy it's not fancy uh, it's just an indie art, art, art house, house movie, movie theater. that shows good movies like the one we reviewed and you can drink white it's wine the first time that you could air. we could watch spotlight we saw there yeah the movie about the three triplets the documentary we saw there, like uh, some of my favorite movies we've seen there. So yeah. once in a while we drive a little farther away from the city and we always do the hot pot after. Yeah. Cause it's right nearby. Anyway. So we did that and we walked in and we noticed, uh, <clears throat> it was not busy at all. It was about yeah. half or a third as full as it usually is. We didn't have to wait. Yeah. We didn't wait at all. Like last time we waited like 
20 minutes and the, the place was pretty packed. We didn't even think about it. We were just like, score. But it's Friday night at like nine. Yeah. And we sat down. It's a really popular place. Yeah. And um, we just sat right down and and I thought maybe because of coronavirus in general, not as many people were out, but it didn't seem to be the case for the rest of the city. And then you overheard yes. something in the kitchen and yes. pointed something out and introduced me to an article and that was eye-opening to say the least. So I had seen this article earlier from my friend Christy who works in the service industry as a bartender. She's like <clears throat> one of the lights of the world. And um, apparently people are not only not going to Chinese food restaurants but also like verbally and physically assaulting Asian-looking people in the streets because they think they're responsible for the spread of coronavirus in the United States. So I hadn't really thought about it. I was sitting and I went to the bathroom and I overheard some of the staff in the back talking about how, you know, sales have been low and it's really short tonight. And like, we had really good service. We had like multiple different people come up to us and see how it was and how we were doing which isn't the norm because they're just busy most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I hadn't really thought about it. And then when I was listening to them, they were like, you know, it's because of this bullshit Corona thing. And I was like, wait, hold on. And I was thinking about this article that Christy shared. And it occurred to me that we were in a Chinese restaurant serving traditional Chinese food. And Americans are so fucking stupid <sighs> that they think that you have, you might get coronavirus from like that. Asian-looking people or people that you presume to be of Chinese descent somehow, like, are carrying it, even if they haven't been there. Like, I don't... It's so baffling that it's... And and so yeah. upsetting. I, I would like to see more evidence in terms of, like, restaurants. I, I'm sure things are happening. So there's a lot... The there's a lot of it out yeah. there. Um, I looked it up last night, and there's definitely, like, a lot of people reporting... You know, like a 30 to 40 percent decrease in sales. Um, and then just like the sort of anecdotal stuff about like mm -hmm. this Chinese woman who was wearing a mask. Yeah. Um, and somebody recorded this guy like berating her and calling her horrible racist names and saying that she was like this infectious disease person. And just for sort of cultural context, um, if you live in certain places, especially in urban Chinese cities, face masks are really common to combat the pollution that they face. Mm -hmm. And so if you live in a place like New York City, it's very common to see people who are from China, from these urban areas, to be wearing face masks to protect skin, which makes sense, right? To protect yourself against um, pollution particles. But given the spread of the coronavirus, it's become this thing where we're just going to attack Asian people on the street for... I don't know. Like... It's so gross and so weird and so stupid. Yeah, the Corona beer thing was it was apocryphal. It seems like, but mm -hmm. this uh, this seems much more likely and real. Yeah, and we can attest that we went to a usually very busy uh, Chinese restaurant last night. And it was like half full. Now I also happen to work at another restaurant nearby that is not Chinese, and business has been just fine. Right. Uh, so booming, really. Yeah, booming. Maybe because of that. Now in certain places. Obviously, like in Seattle area, uh, parts mm -hmm. of New York, like I think overall business is probably down across the board um, in a lot of places. So that would be harder to gauge. But it hasn't really affected Colorado yet. We got our first 
guy that came from Italy to go skiing has it. Right. So, like, these are not coming from China. This is some Italian guy who came to ski in Colorado, Mm -hmm. right? Like, it's just fucking racism and xenophobia. And again, if we had a if we had a functioning um, presidential administration, even the Bush administration would have been like. We, this is absolutely not the fault or product of right. people from Asia, and right. we, we can't be racist. And right. but no, nope. we're not. We're certainly not going to get that from this. Well, and he's shutting down the southern border, which is <laughs> yeah. really interesting because no cases have come from the southern border. Yeah, I haven't Lots even heard have about come cases from the in, northern in Mexico border? yet. And, no, and in the southwest, it hasn't really blown up. Um, I mean, but it, certainly in the northwest, right? Yeah. So Washington State was the first state to have. A confirmed fatality, mm-hmm. um, and it appears to be more widespread in Washington State now. Yeah, um, and that's coming and from there's, new, there's an outbreak in New York. It looks yeah, like yeah, but that's coming from California. international travel and possibly from the Canadian border, which would be the North border. Right, right. Not that we should close borders, but like this is just so stupid mm-hmm. and so racist and so just awful. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about. The weird demographic of people who are concerned about this versus not concerned about this. Yeah, I, boy, I, I kind of felt like this was going to be a thing just based on how Trump and like Fox News were sort of reacting. We're not, I'm not going to do the play by play because it's hard to keep up with everything that's happened. But more or less, Trump has has been saying all kinds of weird, contradictory shit. He's contradicting the CDC, his own people. He's he's and saying untrue things. He's saying ridiculous things. He started by saying like this is not going to be a thing and it's going to go away in a week. Mm-hmm. He said that like a week ago, which yep. was a ridiculous thing to say for every reason you could imagine. And then he's sort of downplayed it and he he said something that's sort of been misrepresented on Hannity a couple days ago, although it was still very stupid. He said, you know, people are going are getting this virus and going to work and just doing the regular things and they're fine. Uh, which made it sound like it's okay to go to work if you have it. Mm. Like he, he certainly didn't parse it enough to mm-hmm. to be like that's a bad idea to do. And um, he also said like, oh, it, it's once the warmer weather hits by April, it will be gone because the warmer weather kills the virus, which is which is ridiculous. Not, no one has said that that has any medical background no, that I know just, of. He's just making up random shit as he goes, and it's that's very dangerous. And of course, because we're in a weird sycophantic time. Some people, not everybody, but but more people who lean in that direction are, like, not as concerned because he sort of said not to be as concerned. Mm-hmm. That this might be a fake news thing right, and it's right. an election year. And, and We talked about it last and week. And yeah. they're going to get me started on the QAnon sphere. God mm-hmm. knows what they're saying. And so, you know, there have been some surveys now that people who consider themselves more conservative for Trump supporters are taking this less seriously and taking less precautions. Like, the only reason you would do that is to be ridiculously partisan. Now, here's why that's even worse and scarier. Um, We are still gathering data about how lethal it is, about how fast it spreads among different people and populations. But one thing seems to be coming into focus a little more clearly. The older you are, Mm -hmm. the older your cohort is, the more dangerous this virus is. The more fatal it is. The more fatal it is. Yep. Um, I, like I don't want to quote the percentage I've read because these things are so fluid, but it yeah. definitely seems to be a pattern that the older you are, the more dangerous it is. Like with seasonal flu, right? That same pattern, but this is even more deadly. This is way more deadly, yeah. So the problem with that is it's that older cohort 
who are watching Fox News and listening to everything Trump says. This is our parents, and now we have to worry about them even more so. That's right. So the people that have decided that this must be a fake news hoax because it's an election year and we want to make Trump look bad are the people who are most at risk for fatality for this disease and the people who are taking the least precautions. It's a double win. So they are saying, no, we're not washing our hands more. No, we're not changing our travel plans. No, we're not disinfecting anything. We don't think it's real. So we're not doing anything. And it's like, okay, so then... Or how dare you tell us to do that? But so then, like... If I, I'm, I'm taking precautions, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not freaked out and I'm not going to Costco buying up every ounce of hand sanitizer and, and disinfectant <laughs> I can find. Yeah. Um, but I am definitely washing my hands more, being more aware of my face, and like, you know, taking reasonable precautions. Yes. If I get it, I'm very unlikely to die of it, right. statistically. Yeah. I'm not immunocompromised. 99% we're right? going to be fine. I'm not, I'm not immunocompromised. Like, I'm, I'm a young, healthy 36-year-old. Yeah. My parents, on the other hand are over 65 Mm -hmm. um not in the best health they're kind they're fine but like they're not like you know yeah they're not running marathons or whatever they're not jack lalane no and people like them are at the most risk and people like them are the people who are taking the least precautions statistically yeah so will they literally die to prove a point that will be disproven by their death i guess i mean some of them yes How crazy is that? I would rather not wash my hands and touch my face and die to show you than prove than to prove something than that is disproven than like just be like oh maybe Trump's not great at this and I should like wash my hands and not touch my face. I just I don't understand. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. We've become like this disease doesn't give a shit if you believe in it or not. Like. People will put themselves at risk to spite us. Well, and I think the thing about disease is that it freaks out rich people the most because it doesn't, it's not like climate change. It's not like other things where like your wealth can protect you to a certain degree. This is a thing that your wealth, your status, your race, your age can't protect you from. Well, you know, the thing with It doesn't give a shit if you believe in it because Trump told you not to or did or... Because you have a billion dollars, if you get it, you get it. You know, when this first all started, I actually hoped, you know, maybe Trump would actually really get out in front of this or try to because he's a germaphobe. Yeah. Like he, like his literal probably concern is like, I don't want to get this germ. Yeah. But, but nothing is more powerful than his ego. Yes. <laughs> and if his ego says this can't be a thing because it makes me look bad, mm-hmm. then that overrules all. Yes. And you just sent me a thing that a CPAC yes. attendee yes. Uh, has come down with coronavirus and Stephanie Grisham, the the new awful press secretary who never does press conferences, uh, said like, well, I can assure you that Trump and Pence didn't have any contact with this person, which makes me think they totally had contact with this person. Right. So the CPAC, right, is the Conservative Political Action Committee. Which is just a Trump pep rally meeting. Now. Yeah. I mean, it's just like it's been around forever before Trump. It's just like the worst people in the world getting together to but raise money for like bad people. But now it's like gotten exponentially worse. Yeah. yeah. And like one of the guys that was there has it. And so whether or not they were in the room with this guy, don't know. Um, yeah, well, you're not going to get a straight answer out of the in the White room House with a guy secretary. that he sneezed on. Yeah, I don't know. Neither do you. So, 
that's interesting. But this is the reason why people are canceling these sorts of things yes. right now. South by Southwest got canceled. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's a huge deal. That's a really I, big I, deal. I played South by with my um, band many years ago, um, several bands ago. And that is like, that encompasses the entire city of Austin. It brings in like $350 million annually. Losing that is devastating. Yeah, and, and like some of the biggest names in the world go there. Yeah, for, for all the, the hospitality people and the people that rely on that yeah. and the small businesses, yeah. that's really, that is really extreme. It is. And I, I would almost have gone as far as to say they shouldn't have done that, but I understand I, why they did. I don't know. Like, I think that's a good precautionary measure. Yeah. It's kind of also like not very hygienic, right? And then it's you an talk outdoor about, festival. Yeah. There's you know limited uh, accessibility to toilets and running in, water. In, in and some like, venues, yes, because you know, there's a million different venues. And you're right, you're right. Some of them, it's it's, it's hard to find a bathroom, yeah. and sometimes it's a porta potty which yes. doesn't have running water yes. and soap. And yes. like that's all true. Like it's that's it's, all it's true. an outdoor festival, which that, normally is fine. But when we have something of like a pandemic coming, I think it's smart to do stuff like that. But not just the city of Austin. You think about all the the struggling bands that were hoping for their you know their yeah. big chance and their yeah. travel plans, and it's just what a mess. What a I mean, nightmare. it's 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 bad, but I'd rather like that happen than you know, the state of Texas become a place where like most of the people get infected with the coronavirus, right? Like, yeah. it's a it's a smart move for them, I think. Being conservative in, in in this kind of situation is for the best. Yeah, a lot of the venues are these packed indoor concert halls and, and ven- venues, and if somebody's sick, then yeah. that's bad, right. <laughs> obviously. Right. So, um, I get it. I just think it's really unfortunate. Like, having been someone who played South by Southwest yeah. and what and understands what a big deal it is. A like, friend of mine was supposed to play there and is very devastated. Yeah, that has to suck. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And, like, on, like, one of the, like, under, under, under things, but still, like, there was a chance, right? Sure. Um, so it sucks. Well, but just, it also, to, just like, to put it on your resume, even if you're yeah. one of the first bands playing the smallest venues, like yeah. to say you played South by, that was their it's case. a big deal. And yeah. it's a big deal. And it really sucks for them. And I feel really bad for them. Yeah. Um, but I also think like that is for the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, the other thing that caught my attention while we were on the break was people panicking and buying up all of these supplies really really impacts people with chronic illnesses that need those supplies on a regular basis yeah there's a shortage of surgical gowns now there's a shortage of um prep pads which are like the little alcohol swabs that you do for injections Mm -hmm. and for people with stuff like you know that have chronic illnesses that need to give themselves injections that's a really big problem like you do not need that medical swab get a fucking pack of lysol Just get some fucking water and soap on a piece of cloth and wipe things down. Please do not buy up critical medical supplies that people that have illnesses need. Yeah, but this is how people are, right? But it is really bad. It's really going to affect especially that most marginalized population of people who have disabilities, who have chronic illnesses, who need medical supplies on a regular basis. Please don't do that. You don't need them. They do. Other medical issues and emergencies still go on. Yes. Yeah, that doesn't all stop for this virus. No, and you don't need fucking prep pads. Yeah. Get a Lysol wipe. I know those are even hard to come by. We tried to make our own right hand sanitizer and couldn't find the stuff for it. It's And it's nuts. The best thing that you can do is wash your hands with soap and water for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. And like, you know, 
try to limit large numbers of people that you're around to the extent that you can. Yeah. And, and if and you get sick, the most important thing you can do is just quarantine. And yourself. this whole thing could last a year or longer. Like, you know, I remember H1N1 and SARS and there was sort of similar um, nervousness about that. And, I don't and remember in, H1N1 having that much nervousness in this some, much. In but some I was place, younger. it really did disrupt life. It just, I don't remember it affecting me personally. And I feel like this time it's definitely going to affect me mm-hmm. personally in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And I'm not exactly sure why that is. I think maybe because. I think for SARS, what, what year was SARS again? That was like 2000. No, it was like 1990. Oh, it was in the 90s? Yeah, it was like 95 or 97. Okay, I so reading. I was in Miami. Yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense. No, I think SARS was later than that. I think it was like 99. I was just reading an article by this reporter that covered it that I found really useful. Um, and she was present for SARS and then later covered Ebola and H1N1 and a bunch of other stuff and had some really good. Um, information to share which is what I'm basically sharing with you now which is like please don't buy up all the medical supplies and also like the best thing you can do is stay home if you're sick and and Uh, I'm glad you brought that up we need to talk about that because guess what Um, we do not have an economy that is built for this yep Um, we do not we have an economy that uh, presenteeism is a huge problem yep and we have employers who either they feel like or they have just decided because they're greedy that like it's not an option to stop business operations for any amount of time uh, mainly because and, and it goes down the chain right because if you're a franchise owner let's say of a restaurant or a store of some kind you're not going to get any help from from above mm-hmm. so you know, you, your your profit margin is it might be razor thin to start with, mm-hmm. and you can't you know you can't just shut down or you lose your business, and Chipotle headquarters doesn't really care. Right. Uh, and I use Chipotle as, an, as a perfect example because in New York City they just had a big walkout because uh, at least at least one location it might have been several the bosses basically said if you think you're sick too bad you have to come in and you lose your job so everybody walked out. Good. And it's not that I don't blame the bosses for saying that. It's that that's the way our economy, this capitalist economy, is designed. That everybody at the top is insulated, and it's everybody below that has to pay the price. So, But it's not just everybody below. It's also everybody else. Yeah. And I think when we look at a public health crisis like this, it's the time when we realize that health is not personal. Mm-hmm. Health is public. And so supporting something like everybody is required to provide their employees with paid sick leave doesn't just benefit those employees because they're selfish slackers. It helps you because you don't have a person with coronavirus making your burrito, right? which then gives it to you, and then you give it to your kid, and your kid gives it to their class, and then we have a pandemic. Yeah. If everybody had paid sick leave, and it was mandatory, right? Not just this one franchise owner decided he wanted to help, which happened, for example, in our community. Mm -hmm. There's a blackjack pizza in North Aurora who just announced that they would allow all of their employees to have paid sick leave throughout the entirety of the coronavirus pandemic. So they can go home and be sick and get paid because they don't want to contribute to the spread of this. That's one person, and God knows what the economic impact of that's going to be on their business, but 
And they want to keep their good employees too. It just makes right. sense on, on so many levels. Right, but that's that's the outlier. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. And so it's not just like that you want to do the right thing because you like workers. It's because do you want to go to a restaurant and not know whether or not those employees have paid sick leave or were made to come in? Do you want to eat food from restaurants where you have no idea if people are sick and they're just coming to work because they need a paycheck and, and don't have the opportunity to stay home? Mm-hmm. Health is public. We live in a community. Yeah. We're all around each other whether all of the time. Whether you want to or not. Whether you're in a subway or on a bus or at work or in a, a restaurant or a public bathroom or just walking down the street, the ability for people to stay home when they're sick is something that should apply to everyone for everyone. And right now it shouldn't even be a question, right? It right. should just be across the board, but it isn't. No. And look, I, I can tell you right now, I have friends personally um, – at least two of them I know were sick and their bosses basically said, you better come to work. Now it turns out they were not sick with coronavirus because the regular flu is still out there and colds are out there. And, um, but yeah, this is going to be a huge presenteeism is going to be a huge problem and is going now, if we had any leadership in Washington, you could pass a bill right now that would say like mandatory, like you must give your employees paid time off and the government will compensate you for those losses. That's the only way they would do it. Right. Yep. And like, we could do that now. And, and, but you know, then you'd fight and you'd have Rand Paul saying, well, we'd have to offset it by like not supporting diabetes medicine or something. Right. No, fuck you. You yeah. don't have to offset it. Mike Bloomberg spent $500 million on a vanity project. Well, they can but, afford it. no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, that's why we, we will not get that done. And certainly yeah. you're not going to get that from the executive branch. And certainly you're not going to get that from Republicans in the Senate. So like, no, we, we can't head off this problem. We just have to have this broken, fucked up, uh, dangerous system that we have that fosters and, and actually makes a pandemic worse and spread faster. And then we will have the flip side of that, the government not doing anything about it and just sort of watching it unfold and saying too fucking bad. Or it's not really happening. Yeah. Right. So that's where we are and that's what makes it scary. And that's why it's so important to be personally vigilant because the government really isn't doing nearly I'm not going to say they're doing nothing they're not doing nearly enough to protect us right and which I just probably fine with the libertarians but you know the rest for of us people who want to sane, live in a like you know a world society. where there's a society and people are like in it together which is what we actually live in mm-hmm. um, the other thing that I think is really important to note given all the misinformation coming out of Washington is I want to talk about South Korea for a second yeah and how they have dealt with this crisis and how it's being reported and why why that matters. So we talk about Donald Trump and he's saying there's like 12 cases and it's not a big deal and it's not coming here and it's not going to be here. And that isn't true. And it's really hard to prove that's not true because we have an ineffective system of actually testing people for this virus. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually know how many people have it. We don't know where they are. We don't know how long they've had it. We don't know how infectious they are. After the first case in Washington State, it was determined that it had been floating around for six weeks. Sure, that's true. So people who felt fine and didn't know that they needed to be taking precautions were just walking around and still are. And that's most of the country. Mm -hmm. South Korea, on the other hand, is taking a big hit in the American media for being like this infectious disease capital of the world. That's not true. It's just that they're testing hundreds of thousands of people a week. Yeah. So they have a really good idea of who's infected and who's not and how they got infected. Mm-hmm. And so I think that and from the study that I read earlier, like they have like a point 
6% fatality rate right now. Like, mm-hmm. it's much, much lower than most places because they were really, really good about early testing, testing everybody, and making sure that they understood how that how the chain was, right? Like, who who was infectious and who wasn't. And so they've really contained it in a way that is being reported as, like, all these people in, in South Korea have it. <laughs> and it's like, right, but probably all these people in America have it. We, we just, just don't, don't even know who they are or where they are or, or where they, they got infected from. or yeah. how they got infected. We have just no idea. So we just, we just don't know. So we can say only 19 people have died. From this. We don't actually know that. And we don't know how many people are currently infected. Are they still going to work? Are they mildly infectious? Do they have mild symptoms? So they Mm -hmm. think it's just a cold? Like, we we don't actually know. So talking about South Korea in this way of like, oh, well, it's just this, like, cesspool is bullshit. It's Mm -hmm. just that they have a handle on the disease in a way that we have chosen not to have a handle on it. They have drive-through testing. Yes. Right? So, like, limited contact. Mm -hmm. Takes about 10 minutes get your results in about six hours and then they know and they know who you are and where you are where you came from where you've traveled like this is how you get a handle on something like this what we're doing we put mike pence in charge yeah and like we don't have nearly enough tests and we're doing this is something important to remember too when you hear reporting about how many tests we're able to do cut it in half Mm-hmm. because we're testing each person twice to make sure. So our capacity for testing and the number of tests available are not the number of patients that we're testing. They are the number of tests that are being done. Yeah. But each patient is being tested twice currently. So Well, at least we passed a bill where they're not on the hook for the cost. Right. So but, that's, like, but that's important when you look at statistics to note that like if it's 10,000 people a day, it's not 10,000 people a day, it's 10,000 tests a day, and mm-hmm. that is 5,000 people. Yeah. And there's currently only 67 places, this is as of yesterday, which would be Friday, 67 places that are doing current testing at that level. So we are so far behind that, like, who knows what will happen. And that's not to panic anybody. Like, it's just being realistic. So wash your hands. Yeah. Don't touch your face. Don't listen to anything Washington says. And don't listen to the White House. Yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but... Because they're actively and aggressively providing misinformation. Yeah. Because the only the only thing they're doing first of all, you have a stream of consciousness idiot president who doesn't just says whatever he thinks and then he thinks he knows more than yeah. you know, than the experts. And his only motivation right now is how can I make this look good for me? Right. Like he had a ridiculous photo op with the head of the C D C it was like North Korea style, just like saying, Oh, you're doing yeah. such a great job, dear leader, you are the best and wonderful and you're it's like, yeah. you know. It was meaningless, it was pointless. Yes. It served no purpose whatsoever. Right. And that's all we're going to get from. So it, yeah, again, if you're and looking to, to the president to for leadership, and be like, please don't listen to him this one time. Yeah, this one time. This Anything one else? Time. Fine. <laughs> Maybe there aren't really kids at the border. We can argue about that later. But could you please not, you know, go on a cruise ship or right. decide hand washing is for libs or go to the Trump rally? Like, right. just don't. Just don't. And hand washing isn't for libs. Hand washing is for everybody. Yeah. Also, were you guys not washing your hands before? Uh, I talked to... Because um, <laughs> I feel like I wash my hands a lot. Darwin Darko on Twitter was telling me how his wife or did or somebody did a survey or somebody know, like counted all the the people coming out of the men's room not washing their hands. Oh, my God. Or something like that. Oh, and, my God. 
you know, I, I, and they're just like, we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like apparently men have always been really bad about that. And, and I did. I, yeah. I heard somebody say that, um, I guess if you're, if you're that kind of dude, you're, and you're probably a Trump supporter anyway, and he's telling you not to worry about it, then like, you're going to aggressively now not wash your hands out of spite. Some of them. I, yeah. I don't know. I saw, there was a woman that posted that she saw a woman come out after just having taken a shit and then take her contacts out without washing her hands. Yeah. And like, good times. Even with not coronavirus, that's just pink eye, but okay. I guess you didn't get any on you? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's gross. I mean, it's one thing if you're doing, you're just taking a leak, you really should, but I mean, urine is is probably sterile most of the time, but from a perfectly medical standpoint, but there's all those other things you're touching in the bathroom. Well, and also just like you're not touching your urine, you're touching also like all of these like moist places on your body that like <laughs> contain bacteria Just saying, you're, if you're touching your dirty dick you need to wash your hands afterwards <laughs> does that need to be said apparently <laughs> what are you doing well well they're gonna be like well my dick is perfectly clean you could eat off of it nobody wants to <laughs> if you especially if you don't wash your hands you probably don't wash your dick like i don't know I don't know. Well, you could usually tell if that's the case. Oh, God. <laughs> well, we've completely gone off the rails. I mean, God. No, I mean, I, I, it's true. I should know better. I'm sure men don't. Like, I, if I'm in the men's room, I'm not, like, keep, I'm washing my own hands. I'm not keeping track of who else is or isn't. I feel like women are different. It's very judgy in there. You don't just, like, walk out of a stall and then, like, well, leave the bathroom. Well, apparently you do from what you just told me. I did not observe this. I have never observed this. In my experience, women come out of the bathroom stall and, and wash like, their hands vigorously. Yes, maybe well, not vigorously, they but they always wash their hands a little bit. Yeah. What concerns me is when they use the fucking air dryers, which just feels awful. Which just blows, just blows everywhere. everything everywhere. I hate yeah, it. But I don't like um, but no, like I, I, it's very judgy in that way. Like it's also a very like nice place if you're at a bar. Mm-hmm. And people have been drinking. It's the place where you get the most sincere compliments on earth. But also, if you come out <laughs> that of a... doesn't happen in the men's room. Oh, my God. Women... Nobody says anything. The bathroom in bars are the most supportive people on earth. It's great. That's fascinating to me. It's wonderful. I, that's, I mean, like, I've it's seen like it in movies. It's like a coven. No, it is... Swear to God. No, nobody says everything, anything. Everybody just... Oh, my just, God. It is, oh, my God, your necklace. Look at your hair. Do you need a touch-up? Are you doing okay? Why are you crying? Do you need something? It's it's the most supportive place on earth is a bar at, like, 10 o'clock at night in a women's restaurant. Well, in the men's period. room, it's more like very nervously looking away and making sure not to accidentally look at another guy's dick. Like, that's... Which like, is weird that you guys give yourselves that opportunity. We have stalls. Where we go in and we pee. Yeah, we have we have stalls too, but like I guess I don't know. Why did why why are urinals? <laughs> it's why? convenient. You just walk in, stand there, and do your business. Can you not walk in and stand in a stall? In England, it's fucking um, weird. I know. In London, England. it's like a Ugh. trough. No, and in England they have like public outside. Well, I'm talking about the men's room in most bars and restaurants in England. They basically and some some in the U S. have this. Yeah. They basically, instead of urinals, they just have a big yeah. trough you pee in. Yes. You all go pee in the trough. Yep. Like, and in, from the medieval times, I In guess. some kink gay bars, there's dudes laying in it. So, that's a different conversation. <laughs> that's a much different conversation. But, it's a thing. Yeah, just, I'm sure it is. But, 
Uh, yeah, we're not confident. We're not like, hey, dude, your shirt is really rocking, man. You're not nice. Your biceps are really, you know, no, because then, you, then, then you'd have to have a case of the not gays. You'd have then to be you know, like, no homo. You'd have to say that, and then you'd have to be like, no I'm homo. Here but my, I'm here with my girl. I just wanted to tell you, you know, you're looking real good, man. Your ass looks great in those jeans, bruh. Oh no, we're so nice. No, it doesn't. Happen. Especially if someone's upset. Oh my god, like. All hands on deck. Yeah, but also... Are you okay? What is going on? If you're walking into the men's room, what, am I going to compliment the dude on his dirty polo shirt? Right? Like, what do you really have to compliment (laughs) each other on? Nothing? Yeah. You don't even fucking try? Like, no, we're like touching like, up our oh, makeup, it, it and looks it's like, like you oh sort God. of brushed your hair earlier. Your eye this makeup morning, looks you? amazing. Yeah, we and don't have also, it. We I don't have much to compliment. And if there's a girl crying, it is all hands on deck. Like, how can we help you? Oh, man, Who hurt that you? That is fascinating. Who hurt you? What do you need? Are you okay? If someone's throwing up or obviously intoxicated, it is also all hands on deck to get you the fuck away from whoever you're with to make sure that you get home safely. <laughs> yeah. The women's well, I had restroom to do that. I had to do that once best. for my guitarist in London who was halfway passed out in the stall. I mean, he's drinking too probably much. he'd have been fine, right? Not ended up with his pants around his ankles in a strange apartment uh, at three in the morning. It was downtown London. Who knows? But anyway, no, the fair point. But yeah. that's really fascinating. Oh, right? yeah. It's the most supportive place wow. on earth. Yeah. It's not surprising, but it's like, okay. It's just like, you're right. Like in the men's room, what am I, you know, like that ketchup stain, you can barely see the ketchup stain right? on your shirt, buddy. Good job. Like, <laughs> did you change clothes today? Good job. <laughs> you don't smell terrible. Yeah. Awesome. Right? Yeah. I guess it depends on the bar, too, right? Mm hmm. No, it's the best place. And that's the thing men don't want you to know. Or they want us to believe isn't true, right? Is that the, we're all oh, yeah, against yeah, that each everybody's other. Everybody's all catty. And we're all catty that, and we don't like too. each other yeah. and we're all against each other. We're all competing for some man. Ooh, it's yeah. just bullshit. It's just not true. If you talk to women at all, it just isn't true. We're all on each other's side. We've always been. Right, know. and going back to the movie review, right? That's what that movie really is all about. No, you hold each other yeah. and you hold each other's stories and... Again, going back to like me too, like none of us were surprised because everyone already knew because we've all heard it from each other. Mm-hmm. But yeah, women's bathroom on like a Friday night at 10 o'clock at a bar, best place to be. Yeah, yeah good to know. I, I'm going to take your word for it. I've never been in one. And I, you know, I'm not it's welcome best. there. It's not my space. No, no, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Trans women, welcome. Yeah. Trans men, welcome. Uh, yeah, why why are are straight men so worried about who's going into the women's room? We're not worried about it at all. No, no, it's, it's the men that are mm-hmm. because their their little girl might be in there, and then well, and trans men generally don't come in the women's restroom unless it seems dangerous to go into the men's restroom. Right, and if that is the case, um, there's just no. I mean, I just have never been in a women's restroom where anyone cared. Why would you? Or anyone was unsupportive. Right. Right. It's also the place where, if you think about it, if you're a woman on a date or a woman going through something and somebody's being an asshole, it's where you go where you don't have to be around that guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it's a place where, like, that's where you retreat. Mm -hmm. And then there are other women there to support you. And that's what we do. It just is what we do. That's great stuff. Yeah. Yep. Not what happens in the men's room at all. Oh, yeah. What not. happens to the men's room? You walk in, you usually go, oh, from the smell, right? Mm. Like, and then you, you, you very carefully, like, do your thing and 
you know, everybody tries to make sure they're not accidentally getting a peek at someone else's junk because then, like, oh, God. Right. You don't touch be, each other or, like, get anywhere near close to being be able to, like... World? Don't say anything. Whatever you do, don't oh, say anything to each other. God. Um, yeah, you just, There's like, also lots of warnings, like, hey, there's no TP install one, and, like, this water oh, no, no, is too hot, and this sink own, doesn't and, work, and there's no soap in there, right. and... There's a pee spot over there. We're always just warning each other about whatever things are happening in the bathroom that are not good because there's always something in a bar. Yeah, sure. Of course. Um, just like, hey, don't go over there, by the way. And then you just tell the next person and then they tell the next person. And so if you have any good bar bathroom stories, please share them with us at, at Reverend oh, yeah. Duo. Please on do. Twitter or Reverend Testimony at gmail.com. Because everyone has a good one. Yeah, there's yeah. So and many. if there are some, I bet like in gay bars it's different, like you said. I'm sure it's probably more like the ladies' room at a, at a straight bar. I would think. I don't know. I've never been in a gay men's restroom. Although, in most gay bars, they're kind of like unisex at this point. So there's a lot of times there's gay men, and they are equally supportive, I would like to note. Of course. When you go into a gay bar and there's gay men in the women's room, they are just as supportive about your hair, makeup, and telling you that there's no bathroom uh, or toilet paper install one. Yeah. Um, But there's no straight dudes around, so it's much safer just generally. I don't know how we got on this topic, other than wash your hands, I guess. Well, it was the story of how men are now, like, not washing oh, their yeah, hands. Oh, yeah, aggressively not washing their hands to prove a point. Great. Or they're just, they just were always shitty about it, so they're going to continue to be shitty about it. Right. Because whatever, fuck you. Uh, all right. Okay. Or they're just gross. Or they're just gross. Right. Which all right. I think uh, that's true. That's going to do it for us. Um, we will be likely back next week unless shit comes up which it sometimes does (laughs) Um, and who knows what the world will look like next week take care of yourselves and each other try to be like women's uh, women's restroom occupants at 10 o'clock at night that sounds, At like all a, times. sounds like a good idea. Yeah. All right. Stay active. Stay tuned. Stay involved. You can find us at Reverend Duo on Twitter. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. See you next week. 